let's get this started. Welcome to 20 and 20. This is the co-working edition where we ask 20 uh, questions in 20-ish. What's that? I was just to say your, your list is long. So yeah, we got to get going. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. Well, so that's why we say it's 20 questions in 20-ish minutes. You know, I, I we try to do 25, you know, I, now my goal is 30 minutes. You know, we, we got a lot of juicy, good content coming from all these guests. That's what happens when you have inspirational people. And the intention of the show is to leave people, people feeling uplifted and inspired and certainly informed as we launch the co-working edition here. I'm your host, Lisa Skyhane. Um, in this edition of 20 and 20, and during the month of June, I'm connecting with industry experts, operators, vendors, most importantly, of course, our clients, co-working members, um, to learn how together we will weather this storm. So co-working has been around as a coin term for over a decade. Executive office suites have existed, you know, 30, 40 plus years. The office space and real estate industries, of course, like many industries, have been really hit hard during this pandemic. Coworking, of course, will survive, and I certainly believe, and I'm sure you do too, will ultimately thrive, um, uh, as everyone, large and small companies, will want the flexible terms that coworking spaces offer. Of course, there's no better person to speak about this than Jamie Russo, who is the CEO of Everything Coworking, which is an education platform that helps coworking operators design and launch profitable coworking spaces. It also trains and develops exceptional coworking community managers. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me, Lisa. And I also wear another hat as the executive director of the Global Workspace Association. 100%. I was going to say, I'm about to jump in and share a little more about Jamie here also. She's also the founder and chief of work and wellness at Enterspace uh, Coworking, which had a, a space in Palo Alto, which closed actually no relation to uh, or, or as a result of COVID. But May 31st was your last day there. And now you do still have one space in Chicago? No, the, I had a Chicago space in Chicago, so I lived in Chicago for a long time and mm -hmm. had a space there, which I ended up having for three or four years. I can't remember exactly how long. I had moved to the Bay Area and opened the second space here, so mm -hmm. um, it's no small feat to have spaces that are <laughs> geographically dispersed. So. And so is the space still there in Chicago? It's not. I sold the space... Um, in 2016, I think, to what is now Fueled Collective, and oh, then the yes. was sold, so it is no longer co-working. Got it, completely transformed. You're also yeah. the president of the League of Extraordinary Co-working Spaces, also known as Lexi, yes? That's outdated, actually, that's two terms ago. I was, a while ago. <laughs> my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Well, so but, but Lexi is a collective of co-working spaces around the country that lean into each other as resources. If you're a member at one, you can often use the space of another one also. Um, the bottom line is, of course, that for the last you know, eight, 10 years, decade, you've really been immersed in the co-working world. Um, your background is in brand management and also operations, but really now the last you know, decade, you've dove into the co-working and shared office space industry. True. Yes. One thing I love about the industry is how much evolution there is. And I think none of us expected to be where we are right now. So there's a lot of change and a lot of uncertainty. No doubt. Will you tell us how did you end up getting into the co-working industry? Oh, we only have 20 minutes. No. <laughs> it's super short. I'd love to hear your answer on that at some point. Yeah. Uh-oh. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, no. Oh, no, I can't hear you. Oh, can you guys hear her or me? Uh-oh. 
long story short, I just was very passionate about how environment, I align very much with your values, yep. Uh, yep. how the work environment impacts the human yes. and how important it is to have a really a healthy work environment, a culture that like we can bring our whole selves to work. And like you, I was very passionate about like both physical and mental well-being at work. Mm -hmm. So I just think to make that, I wanted them to be able to choose so sort of what that, that looked like. Um, from a business model standpoint, and I found co-working and said, okay, I'm going to, this is what I, I will do. I will, so my space is called inner space, so like energy, and mm. I had a fitness studio and a kitchen and um, in my Chicago space. And so that was what I was kind of out to change is give people a place where they could be, do, do great work and, and be their best selves, which yes. I know what primary stands for too. Primary's motto is you work best yeah. when you feel great. You know, if you yeah. don't work best and you feel like hell, that's for sure, right? Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. are, by the way, from a physical fitness standpoint, aren't you, do you compete or you're, you do something very intense athletic? I know. You asked like for, for some nugget that people wouldn't know. And I was like, oh, people are probably sick of hearing me talk about CrossFit. But yeah. I'm an avid CrossFitter. I, I love it for many of the reasons people love co-working. I love the community. I, you know, that's really the key part of it is it's, it's about physical fitness, but it's also there's just such a huge community component and supporting each other and keeping people accountable and challenging and Mm. Uh, no, no day is the same. So I right now I'm doing it in my garage. But yes, of yes. course. But you have you you've competed though? Yes, I do competitions. I I enjoy competing, and I actually in April was supposed to do a competition in Italy that mm. uh, I was mm. very looking forward to. A little girls trip with my my CrossFit bestie, and we were going to go to Italy, and that is not happening right oh. now. Yeah, so well, postponed. Thanks for the wish list for the future. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, well, so let's talk about the next six to 18 months for co-working. You know, as I said to you, I really think in the, in the big picture that co-working will absolutely thrive. Everyone will want these flexible terms. Um, I interviewed um, the CEO of Industrious, Jamie Hodari, on Friday. Did you have a chance to see that internal memo that he put out uh, about his theory of work from anywhere, which is uh, the ideas, in particular, the larger companies will have sort of three components where they'll have a headquarter location, then they'll have sort of satellite offices where maybe in more suburban rural areas closer to their unique homes, uh, they'll have office access, and then they will have, of course, work from home set up as well. Um, in one of your recent episodes, you, you talked about external versus internal problems, which we'll get to in a moment. But what do you think that the next six to 18 months are going to look like for the co-working industry? Yeah, I, so I have to be careful because I am like a drink the Kool-Aid on co-working. In between <laughs> when that kind of comes down the pipe. So mm -hmm. I, all the conversations that I'm involved with, with folks that, you know, have access to the demand side for co-working, like the brokers and the, you know, the instant offices and et cetera, like who, who are attached to corporate customers outline exactly what Jamie outlined in mm -hmm. terms of what sort of the work structure might look like. Yeah. And I think, you know, bigger companies tend to move a little more slowly. I suspect they've, they see it. And now 
there's some time for them to implement what does that mean? Do we pay for co-working? Do we, what does that look like? How do we give people access to co-working? Do we buy it centrally? Do people get to choose? What does that look like? So I'm 100%, I think what Jamie is outlining is, is pretty well accepted as in terms of like what we're gonna start to see. Mm -hmm. And you know, high five to anybody with a suburban co-working space that we used to think like, I don't know, the suburbs, it's a little different. And I think they're gonna have their, their day. And um, I think super positive outlook, it's just a matter of how long does it take for us to get there? And then for those of us who don't serve, you know, a more corporate employee, what does that mean? And how do we get back on our feet, add value that people will get people out of their homes? Yes, 100%. I mean, I, mean, I, I think, you know, I was interviewed by BizNow a couple of weeks ago about the, the, what does the horizon for small mom and pops businesses look like? And I, I do think that the next six to 18 months are going to be difficult for a number of operators that didn't have um, great terms on the underlying lease, that don't have flexible landlords, that don't have strong cash reserves. I think it's it's going to be difficult. We've been saying already, you know, for years that there's a consolidation wave coming. And I think that this is going to be part of that wave we, where we thought it might be more economically and uh, driven, market driven, uh, who, who no one could have predicted a global pandemic, of course. Um, but this will be part of the fallout from that, I think. Um, so let's talk about external versus internal problems. I thought this was a great episode. So your Everything Coworking podcast is great. Episode 151, one of the recent episodes, um, you know, the, the podcast itself shares in-depth advice and how-tos, tricks to the trade from you and your network of visionaries, strategists, trend spotters. Um, major corporations are issuing statements about work from home as far out as into 2021. Definitely a put up flags for me as someone who really is concerned about people's well-being and, and health and mental health, which has become a bigger focus of mine also on a personal level. Um, I'm concerned for employ employees and coworkers personal level. Um, so what are some of the external versus internal problems that co-working operators are, uh, are going to be solving for right now? Yeah, first I want to say it's funny when you when you create content as you're doing, like I often will stick to sort of the practical stuff. And we've had these like wild challenges over the last few weeks. And I find myself like having to go to some of the like mindset leadership stuff that's um, harder to, you know, to get through. But I think it's, you know, to get through, but I think it's really important. And this is where sort of the, you know, I have to be careful about sort of the Kool-Aid piece is. I, I do think, so one of the challenges with the suburban market blowing up is that there will be demand and yet a lot of folks in the suburbs aren't aware of co-working right or folks that used to go to an office don't know there's a solution um, but I talked in that episode about you know we often think of most of us are, are in the industry up from an operator perspective to serve a community and you know like like our mission your mission was you know to make something better than at home and at the corporate office and so it's physical space, but people, people to some extent come to us to solve a physical, like actual space issue that'll always be sort of a driver, mm -hmm. but really we're solving these internal problems around people feeling professional, people feeling motivated, people mm -hmm. feeling like 
inspired people feeling like they're legitimate, you know, like I'm out of my home office. I'm, you know, a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, a small business owner, but I need to feel a part of something else. I need to see other people who are struggling, who are figuring things out, like that need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, mm -hmm. even when you're not an entrepreneur, but when you're at home um, and, you know, maybe you don't have the best place to work or you're um, fighting with your, with your husband over like who gets the office for the next, you know, hour. Right. Um, so I think there's a tremendous opportunity for us to make sure we're messaging and finding the people who have those pain points who might be fine at home physically, you know, they don't need an office, but the thing we can solve is, is the rest of it, right? The, how I want to feel during the day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the identity I want to have and the community I want to be a part of, a lot of that is missing at home. But I think this is a big challenge in our messaging and our marketing to get at those pain points so people understand that we're a solution, not just for a private office, but for the rest of it. Totally. Well, and of course, it makes me think, and this is something that I was saying with Liz Elam, you know, the, the founder of the Global Coworking Unconference last week is that, you know, maybe to some extent, we're going to be redefining the term coworking, you know, where we work was on the beginning of the wave a decade ago, where, you know, coworking by definition was this large open space where people were working together in a room, executive suites were fully enclosed offices, but we work gave everyone a windowed office by making the offices glass and closed. And now everyone felt like they're coworking because you can see who's five offices down from you. You know, I was there in the very beginning as, a, as one of the yeah. initial employees. And so was part of my part of my pitch, you know, that's how I fell into it. And so I think, you know, now we're saying to ourselves, what is this work from home culture? What is the hybrid culture? Are there co-working operators that are going to shift into doing some of what you and I naturally did in our uh, spaces where we catered to the mental health and productivity uh, inspiration um, of the of the members and the people using the space? You know, will this be something that we'll be offering to larger corporations who are requiring the work from home? Um, as a, a hybrid part of, of how their employees work. So we'll see. I guess some of this, you know, remains to be to be seen as the as the details unfold. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest opportunities for operators right now? You know, I think, I mean, there are challenges and opportunities. I think the opportunities are really the demand from this corporate audience that we have, you know, everybody, and you've seen, talked a little bit in our pre-chat, you have a number of those folks in your spaces in Manhattan. And I think mm -hmm. spaces that have been located probably um, benefited from that earlier than other operators. So I think yeah. it's tipping point. Mm -hmm. Sorry, uh, internet connection. Oh, you getting. I just popped off Wi-Fi. We'll see if it helps. Now yeah, okay. Um, I think the, I'll just keep talking and hope we're doing okay. I think the opportunity is really to kind of rethink everything, you know, rethink who are we serving? How are we serving them? How can we be uh, more sustainable? 
I hate to sort of say like, it's hard to talk about sort of lessons learned, which I know is one of your questions about this pandemic. It's like, well, who could have predicted this? And do you run your business assuming it could happen again? Mm. Something mm. so unexpected. It's, it's yeah. hard to operate that way, you know? And I, I don't know if I would recommend that. I think we can all say like, okay, well, you know, we should have more cash on hand. We should have a better relationship with our landlord, you know, some of those fundamental pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there are some opportunities there, but I think it's really like, look, there's going to be a lot more demand because we just accelerated the whole work from home thing. But I think for many of us, it's okay, well, who are we serving? Are we serving that crowd? Are we still serving entrepreneurs? Are we serving a mix? What does our product mix look like? What is our, you know, it's just kind of revisiting everything yeah. to figure out how to harness that opportunity within our own individual spaces, depending on what market we're in. Like your opportunities will be different. You're in a CBD, um, you know, than folks that are in suburban areas. 100%. I think that one of the also good pieces of advice that was given to me is to do a lot of listening, you know, to, to reach out to our communities, ask a lot of questions and listen to what our members really want. Oh, Jamie's gone. Can you hear me? <laughs> Could you hear what I was saying? Yeah, totally. Sorry. Nope. Repeat. Sorry. <laughs> I was saying that um, I think that, um, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. This is, this is a technology challenge interview. This is hilarious. And you're also a little foggy now too. <laughs> Um, all right, you know, we're going to keep moving on because that's, that's what we do. Welcome to life. You get a global pandemic thrown at you and you just keep moving on, Jamie. Um, so well, you were talking about, about, I know what I just said. I said that um, some great advice that was given to me is to do a lot of listening, to tap into our membership and to ask a lot of questions and listen to what the different companies need because a lot of different companies are just going to need different things, but to, to do a lot of listening. I mean, there's a lot of levels that we need to do a lot of listening in the world right now. That's, uh, that's for sure. So, um, you know, some cities like New York are still sheltering right now, Jamie. Um, what do you think operators can do to keep their members engaged and to keep loyalty levels high right now? Yeah, I, so are still, we are also still sheltering in place and I think um, more challenging you know to keep folks and sort of the I, you know I was really pushing the you know we're in this together getting people to stay and you know for more independent spaces continuing to connect the dots for members that like look if you yeah. leave we are not going to be here and that's a reality so my CrossFit gym closed um, and they have were kind of struggling before this I think we won't go into their, <laughs> their challenges, yeah. but uh, they were the example to me of like, look, you need to let people know what not paying does to your space. And this can be harder. I suspect it's harder for people. Well, it, it can be harder for different types of memberships, but um, I think that, sorry, no, I'm, But I think what's happening with the online is 
we've been trying to keep our members distracted and you know don't forget about us keep paying us don't forget about us keep paying us with zoom events after zoom event, being more strategic about some of those i know jamie probably taught his program and contributing to what his members need i think you know you mentioned listening to members i think operators that are connecting one-on-one -on -one with members it's a lot of work yeah. and it takes a lot of time but i hear a lot of success from those folks because the members appreciate the outreach and it gives insight into to your point what do they need do they need another yoga over zoom or do they need something else from us right now i think yeah. if you can kind of dots for them then they're more likely to stay i think from a practical standpoint, it continues to get harder the longer it takes before we can reopen. And yeah. I think for folks that are starting to lose yeah. people, flip, you know, marketing funnel, you know, start thinking about what levers am I going to pull to get people into the space and to start refilling. Because yes. at some point we have to be practical and say, people yes. are going to leave if they're going to leave, how am I going to refill? And, you know, and continuing conversation with landlords and things like that. Agree. Can you hear me okay? Or is it a delay? Yes. Okay, great. There's um, a little pretty good. Oh, man, you and I, the technology. Uh, you know, again, we're going to use it as an analogy for life. Sometimes you just kind of go like this, but you grab onto what you can and you move forward. Okay, episode 152, um, like the you know, latest, um, you know, latest episode of Everything Coworking. Um, you talked about top 10 lessons learned as an operator over the last eight years. What has been the biggest lesson, would you say, that you've learned over the last eight years? You know, I was thinking about that one, things that are in a business. I think, you know, we just like hyper-focused on who you're serving. You know, what does your membership need what, how do you best deliver on demand and mm -hmm. staying very, very clear on who your best member is and not getting distracted by that. And if it needs to shift, then everything shifts. You know, you're, you if you're gonna change who you're going after, your product shifts, your messaging shifts, your staff, you know, changes, everything that you do should be so aligned with what that ideal client needs and you know you your business is a great example of that because you're attracting a specific client who aligns with your values yeah not just co-working but a specific mindset around yeah. co-working and it makes it so much easier in normal times but hopefully for you in in up in as we move forward i mean to your point like well hopefully the corporate customer is going to be very concerned about where their people are spending time and staying healthy, both physically and mentally, and you can serve that all day long. And you message to it, and you have a clear differentiator, which I think is really challenging. But even if you're serving a more generic customer, you just have to know them so intimately and line everything up to attract them and yes. never lose sight of that. Yes, totally agree. Um, what do you think that the co-working industry's greatest takeaway from all of this is going to be? If you were to choose one thing. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it, that's a tough one. 
like I said, I think there's a lot of sort of practical things you could say, well, like, you know, more cash on hand, a good relationship with a landlord. Although some of those things are really hard to control. I mean, you're, you know, finding the right space, like location really matters. Yeah. In an ideal world, we talk about, you know, just being super lined up with your landlords so that when things like this happen, you can, you know, have a, find a productive way forward together. I don't know that that's always, that was not my situation. I, yeah. did, I did not experience harmony with someone that I thought I, you know, had, I, you know, had a pretty good relationship with. Yeah. Um, I think like any business, it's, it's how do you make yourself less, um, less exposed maybe to one thing. I think that's a long path. I think some of us are looking for ways to kind of um, diversify revenue, but it's hard in a physical space. I think we'll see more digital communities. We talked about this. We did a virtual conference, the GWA last week, and there were some good conversations around taking the community aspect outside of the physical space, but that's a competency in itself, right? So we know how to build community. We can take it online. That takes time. And that may not be sort of everyone's, you know, passion and what they want to do with our business. But I think looking for ways to make our business a little like less, Mark Gilbreth, there's a book he recommended that I downloaded on Audible called Anti-Fragility, I think. Anti-Fragile? Maybe that's yeah. it. Anti-Fragility. That sounds familiar. Yep. But I don't know that there's an easy way to do it, but I think being more thoughtful and more intentional and, and not assuming, you know, that the model is the way it is. It's, it's sure. Well, and, and then obviously industrious has taught us and industrious has taught us that management deals um, with landlords, if that can be arranged is certainly a way for operators to go to minimize risk, especially in a downturn market or impacted market like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have you been doing every day to stay sane? I'm sure working out in some, some form. Yes. Is there any other something you've been doing? I know. I, you know, I would say I have not been all that sane, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, we've been going through this time of like, it's been very intense and trying to figure out how do we manage through this? And, you know, you're taking a leadership role in this. I feel, you know, a great deal of responsibility to help people navigate and try to have answers and, and some guidance and leadership. So for sure, the first thing I do every day is work out. It is different. It's by myself. So it's an outlet, but it's not the same, you know, sort of community outlet. Um, oh. That's probably about it. I do. So I have an eight year old and we've been doing walks every day, which we never yeah. used to do. So that's a really nice way to be more connected with her and force myself to, you know, take that break and get out with her. But yeah, um, but I've been struggle bus with the balance and, and the staying sane for sure. Like everyone, like everyone, you know, I mean, even sell uh, one of one of our members who tuned in here just said she can't wait to do face to face business and networking again. I mean, I feel exactly the same, right? You want to be around the energy of other people. So um, if you could go back in this time uh, to this time one year ago, Jamie, is there something you would say to yourself or do differently? I would, I mean, this is like the kind of thing it's hard to prepare for in terms of, in terms of COVID, I mean, you know, maybe I'll switch it to the, the um, sort of broader diversity topic 
that we're kind of living through also, take a break yeah. from COVID for a minute, is to be more, and maybe it applies to both of them, I think to be intentional. You know, I think we've had to react to what's happening, you know, both with COVID and sort of the, you know, our relationship with diversity in the country. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to, with the organizations that I'm involved with, really take a step and say, you know, how can we be intentional about some of the things that, that we can have control over? You don't have control over a pandemic, but what are the things we can be intentional about in terms of making ourselves more resilient and being more inclusive and amplifying more voices and, so I think, you know, I'll be in the camp of sort of sometimes crisis can be good because it forces us to fix some systemic problems. And I hope that that's part of what's happening now, both from a, you know, a business sort of how do we get through a really tough economic time and from a, you know, how do we want to run our business and, and how do we want to, you know, live in the world and, and who do, you know, who, who do, what do we want to stand for and how do we want to help advance that? A hundred percent. I love that answer. Thank you. Um, where are you turning for inspiration right now? Oh, gosh. Um, mm. You know, I think probably, probably just the community in general. I think that's one of the most um, sort of compelling components of the co-working industry in particular. Like, right, look what you're doing. So totally. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Lisa's on it. Your, your energy for lives is just like unbelievable. Thank you. But, you know, the number of conversations and the, the willingness to share, you know, like you and I were, you know, talking about some things in our pre-chat. It's like people are willing to tell you like what's going on and how they're handling things and really open book. And I find that to be broadly the case for people in the co-working industry. And I think it's partly because we, we stand for community and we want each other to, yes, to be successful. And so I think, you know, just each other, anyone who's, you know, who has a voice, which I think, again, the, we have to be very aware we all have a voice and we all play a leadership role in the community. Um, and, you know, people are listening. So I would say, you know, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from my peers and those that are, are sharing and, and, you know, using their voice during this time. 100%. I agree. Another great answer. Well done, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie for the win. Okay, here we go. Lightning round. You ready? Last time, quick questions. <laughs> I know you're competitive, yeah. so I got to make sure you feel like you're winning. You're winning at this interview. <laughs> okay, here we go. Question number one of the lightning round. Uh, rename the coronavirus. I know. I have no idea. Uh, Louie is the name of my dog. <laughs> um, best advice you've ever gotten? Yeah, that one, you know what, I would say the, probably lots of good advice in my life. The thing that I always remember when I'm trying to kind of work through something is if you continue to do the things you've always done, you'll continue to get what you've always gotten. Mm. And I can't remember mm. who that should be, someone famous. Yeah, I love that quote. Right, and that we're seeing that like to the max right now you know, again, with COVID, with our diversity challenges, like we can't keep doing things the way we've done. We need to rethink them and, and uh, get a different outcome. Yeah, big time. Educating ourselves is critical right now. 
Um, are you an early bird or night owl? Early bird. Yeah, it sounds like it. What time? What time do you wake up? Between five and five thirty. Oof. What time do you go to bed? Between nine and nine thirty. All right, good for you. <laughs> My husband would approve. He's the fitness and wellness guru in our family. <laughs> um, what's your favorite word? Oh. Um. My favorite words. These are easy but hard. I don't know. Abundance is my favorite word. There, there, what's oh. the word that people think of when oh. they think of Jamie Russo? Oh, I love abundant. Oh, you know what? Um, authentic. Authentic. I like that. Yes, I like that word too. Um, favorite business book or podcast? Oh, I am currently obsessed with um, Donald Miller. Are you familiar with Donald Miller? Story no, who's Donald Miller? Brand. No, what is it? Oh, exactly. It's a book or a podcast? So, podcast. So he has a podcast and a book. Um, he so his his overall message of marketing and telling a story with your brand. So mm -hmm. he talks about how we are um, that we should customer the hero of the story. And we are the guide, We're not the hero. No one cares about why we start a business and you know, who our Aunt Jo was. And um, what they care about is what they get out of being a part of our business, right? And it's our job to message that and show them that. And I think I, the first time I heard it, I can remember literally where I was in my car when I listened to him talk about this. And I was just like, it's so simple, mind blowing at the same time. So Donald Miller- and podcast and is, he has a couple of books. One of them is, is Story Brand. It's great for anybody in business. Story Brand is the name of it? Yes. Story Brand. Okay, great. Um, what is your favorite co-working space amenity? Oh, I mean, the fitness room, of course. <laughs> I haven't been in your second space, but in your first space. I was going to say, yeah, the Peloton bikes in our, in our were pretty yeah. cl clutch addition for sure. We're very, very grateful to have those. Um, your favorite form of fitness? I mean, CrossFit, sounds like. That's it, yep. Done. Um, name a career or job that you've always wanted to try. I always wanted to be a professional soccer player. Oh my gosh, I played for eight years too. Did you play? Yeah, I played when I was younger and I lived in Chicago after undergrad and I played a lot there just recreationally. And I just, I just loved it. And I always thought, not that I was good enough to be a professional soccer player, but you know, in my fantasy world, that's what I would want to do. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, like I want to be a race car driver. So I would take soccer player too. And you also coach your um, daughter's AYSO soccer team. You're getting more involved because you want to balance the more women and men. You want to the, that their league to fly with equal wings there with the coaching. Yeah. Right. Speaking of the diversity issue, there are like very few moms that coach soccer and it's like look is that the message we want to send only the dads can coach no mm. you know we can all coach we can all exactly I love that yes i love yeah. it okay uh hottest topic during the time of corona is toilet paper jamie do you pull over or under over okay do you change it if you find it another way <laughs> uh no i think i'm in charge of the toilet paper so it's always my way Always over. I like that. Okay, 2020 or 2021? 
Oh, geez. You know, I, yeah. Is there, is there a right answer to that? No way. I, and it might change tomorrow, by the way. The <laughs> yeah, I think, meaning whether I prefer 20 or 20. Which do you choose? Which do you choose? Yeah. 21? Like, am I just ready to be done? I revisiting what's important, who we're going to be. of everything I think it's healthy I think it's yeah. hard I'm not saying I'm definitely not saying there aren't um, negative not belittling any of those things but I'm gonna be a silver lining and say I think it's healthy for us to revisit things a hundred percent thank you so much for joining me today a couple of things I want to mention Jamie Russo uh, founder of co-working uh, everything co-working you have co-working, startup school, and community manager university, both of which are on wait list, I think, yes, currently. But those links are available yes. um, on okay. my link tree on my profile. People can click to find out about your podcast also and listen to some really, I mean, 152 episodes you've recorded at this point. So a lot of great content there. Thank you for everything you're doing for the co-working industry. And thank you so much for your time here with me today. Lisa, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate everything yes. you're doing. Can't next one. Yes, virtual <laughs> hug. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you.